0: You might actually see the live broadcast before I do. Sometimes this software works really funny, and if you have seen it, just let me know, and then I'll I'll introduce you because I haven't seen it yet.
1: It it tells me that it's been live for twenty seconds. For what that word. you
0: know what I I don't doubt that at all. And on my end, it's still saying we aren't, but I believe you, Brian. So I'm going to say. Hello, everybody. I'm Brent Leary, and this is my first, I think this is the first live stream of the week for me, uh, which is a little later in the week than usual, but it's actually a really great way to start because with me right now is Brian Catanzaro. He's the Vice President of Applied Deep Learning Research for NVIDIA. Brian, thank you for joining me, man. It's really good.
1: Of course. Glad to be
0: here. So I know NVIDIA for like, you know, I don't do a lot of gaming, but I do a lot of video editing stuff. So I'm I'm used to you guys because you you guys have the great graphics accelerator cards and 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 if you want to do anything with graphics and, and stuff that's like gaming or deep level uh, video editing, you need you know, great graphic adapters and GPUs. And that's what I know Nvidia for. But over the last couple of years, Nvidia has started hit my radar beyond that into things that are. Kind of, I've been looking at it from a CRM perspective, which is AI and deep learning and conversational interface and all that kind of stuff. So this is really cool to talk to you about that. Before we jump in and start digging in, maybe you can give us a little bit of your personal background.
1: Yeah, well, um, I got my PhD from Berkeley, uh, and I graduated ten years ago. Uh, and at the time, I was looking at um, how can parallel computing. Uh, influence machine learning and how can we use parallel computing to make machine learning uh, much more powerful and much more useful. And um, I decided uh, to do that work after I graduated at NVIDIA. So I joined NVIDIA Research in 2011 and um, worked on a bunch of things, but uh, especially worked on libraries for deep learning on the GPU. And um, back then, this was still kind of a uh, a countercultural thing to do, I suppose. Um, you know there weren't a lot of people that were uh, using GPUs for artificial intelligence um, and it was kind of a nascent market. But um, the research I thought was pretty promising and so um, it was something I believed in and, and, um, and uh, that ended out and ended up working out really well. So uh, my research led to the creation of QDNN, which was Nvidia's first, library to help people use the GPU for artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that was really exciting to be involved with. Mm-hmm. I um, uh, I decided that I wanted to be more involved with the creation of applications using deep learning, um, not just working on the sort of platform technologies that enable people to use parallel computing to do deep learning, but I wanted to work on deep learning applications themselves. And so uh, in 2014, I decided to go Work at Baidu, uh, which is a Chinese uh, search company, uh, because they were building uh, a new uh, AI research lab here in California, and um, that gave me a chance to to work on applications a little bit more directly. And I did that for about three years, and then um, uh, I decided that it was time for me to move on to my next project. And Nvidia asked me to come back and build an applied research lab that focuses on using AI to help NVIDIA's products uh, become better and help NVIDIA be more efficient as a company. So um, I've been doing that now for five years, and um, my team is about uh, 40 full-time researchers that are uh, doing things in graphics, conversational AI, uh, and systems design, uh, You know, basically figuring out new ways of using AI to make NVIDIA better. Uh, And so that's that's uh, what I do full time these days. And I think, you know, we've had a lot of um, of impact. There's a a lot of excitement about how to use AI. Uh, Also, a lot of questions because, you know, the technology is still being developed. And so um, it is fundamentally a a research activity in a lot of ways to figure out how to use uh, deep learning for a new problem. Uh, And that's that's kind of what my team specializes in doing. Um, uh, some of our recent projects that I'm really proud of include DLSS, which um, uh, makes a small GPU look like a big GPU when you're playing a video game because it's a mm. more intelligent rendering algorithm that is less brute force uh, because we're able to use AI. And so that that actually magnifies the capabilities of our GPUs and makes them much more efficient and, and therefore uh, more useful. Uh, and then uh, also our our Megatron project, which is um, about how to train the world's most advanced and uh, most exciting language models um, at scale on large clusters of NVIDIA GPUs at the absolute speed of light. Um, and uh, you know, language modeling these days is really revolutionizing uh, a lot of, um, uh, uh, of of the industry, and and um, it's it's very exciting the capabilities of these models. Uh, So, you know, we've been involved in showing people how to do that properly um, and and what kinds of algorithms and systems uh, support is necessary for that. And, uh, you know, we've also done a lot in um, speech synthesis and and conversational AI, you know, making uh, speech synthesis more realistic. Uh, Recently, some of our our speech synthesis algorithms have been used to create um, uh, the IMAI videos from NVIDIA that are being narrated by uh, a computer Uh, narrator. And, and um, if, if you've ever listened to those, you'll, you'll find that the narration has a lot more uh, humanity in it than you might expect from a computer. And so that's been part of our research as well. In
0: fact, Brian, since you brought it
1: up, let me play this
0: and maybe we could come back to that for a second. Let me play you this little clip. I am a visionary
1: Bringing history to life. And adding motion to memories.
0: I am painting with the sound of my voice. A peaceful lake surrounded by trees.
1: And letting art speak for itself. Did you know that white rhinos and black rhinos are both gray?
0: I am changing the way we see the past. Um, I almost didn't want to like stop that because that was really some good stuff. And, and I was talking with uh, one of your folks, Anna, earlier. It's not only the power of what you was that was going on, but it was also the dramatic music. There was a lot of stuff going on in that video. You had just explained that that voice we heard—it wasn't an actual human
1: being, was it? That's right. That was synthesized with some of our most recent voice technology. It sounded like a real human being to me.
0: That—that I mean, it really. I mean, you—you we're used to hearing like the Alexa in the series. And, and before that, it was like, you know, we don't even want to talk about the voices from before that. But that one really sounded like a, a human being with, like you said, with human inflection. And it felt like there's, there was some, some depth. Is that the kind of thing that we're looking at when, we, when you talk about reinventing graphics and reinventing, like, uh, voice technology and using these newer ter- technology including AI and deep learning to not only, you know, change the look of graphics, but change the feel and sound of a machine to make it sound more like one of us.
1: Yeah, that's right. Now um, I, I should uh, make sure that you understand that uh, although that voice was synthesized, it was also closely directed. So um, uh, that was not, I, I wouldn't say that that was, um, A push button speech synthesis system like you might use, uh, when you talk with a virtual assistant, uh, in, instead it was, um, it was a controllable voice that our algorithms allow the producers of the video to create. Uh, and one of the ways that they do that is by, um, modeling, uh, the inflection and the rhythm and the energy that they want a particular part of the video, uh, of the narration to have. And so, um, uh, uh, so I, w- I would say it's uh, it's not just a story about AI getting better, but it's also a story about how humans work more closely with AI to build things, you know, and um, having the ability to make uh, synthetic voices that are controllable in this way, I think opens up new uh, opportunities for uh, speech synthesis and in, you know, entertainment and, uh, you know, uh, the arts, I think. Um, and so so I think I think that's um that's exciting but it 's something something that uh, uh, that that you and your audience should understand is that um, you know that that was actually very closely directed by a person uh, now of course uh, we're hard at work on algorithms that are able to predict uh, all of that um, humanity the the rhythm the the inflection the pitch um, and I think that we are going to you know see some pretty amazing advances in that over the next few years um, where we can have a fully um, Push button uh, speech synthesis system that has the right inflection to go along with the meaning of the text you know because when when you yeah. speak um, a lot of the meaning is conveyed through the the inflection of your voice, not just the meaning of the words that you choose and um, you know uh, if if the model if we have models that are able to understand the meaning of text like some of these amazing language models uh, that I was referring to earlier, we should be able to use those. To direct speech synthesis in a way that has meaning, and um, you know that's that's something that I'm I'm very excited about. You know, um, it's interesting. I feel that um, uh, we have kind of a cultural bias. Uh, maybe it's a, a specific to the United States. I'm not sure, but we have this cultural bias that um, that uh, computers can't speak in a human like way, uh, and maybe it comes somewhat from um, Star Trek: The Next Generation, where Data was like an incredible computing machine, and he could solve any problem and invent new theories of physics, but he could never speak in quite the same way that a human could. Um, or maybe it traces back to, um, you know, Spock, 2001. Maybe. Yeah. Right. Uh, all the movies, right. The space odyssey where we had the, the evil killer robot that oh, was how yeah. and, you know, Hal spoke, but it was like off. It was off putting like his, his voice like was creepy. You know, he was and, eerie. He was he yeah. was. Really and so we have this like we have like 50 years. We have like several generations of of culture telling us that uh, a computer can't speak in a human like way. And um, I actually just think that's not the case. I think um, we can make uh, computers speak um, in a more human like way. And, and we will. And I also think that the benefits of that technology are going to be pretty great for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's something that I think is, is a really exciting thing to work on. You know, the other thing that stood out in that
0: that clip was the Amelia Earhart uh picture seeming to come to life. Could you talk about I, I'm guessing that's part of reinventing uh graphics using AI. Uh
1: yeah, that's right. Um yeah, so Nvidia research has been I think um really involved in a lot of technologies uh to uh, basically, uh, synthesize videos and synthesize images using artificial intelligence, and um, that's one example. You know, you saw one where, um, you know, the neural network was colorizing an image, mm. um, sort of giving us new ways of looking at the past. And uh, when you think about that, you know, what's involved in colorizing an image? Well uh, the, the, um, AI needs to understand the contents of the image in order to assign plausible colors to them. Like for example, uh, grass is usually green, but, uh, if you don't know where the grass is, then, you know, you shouldn't color anything green. And, um, you know, uh, traditional approaches to, um, uh, colorizing images were, uh, I would say a little bit risk averse, like they would kind of tend to make things that, that looked, um, slightly colored, but, it was mostly kind of gray and it was kind of like tentative. Um, but as the AI gets better at understanding the contents of an image and, you know, what objects are there and how the objects relate to each other, then it can do a lot better of assigning plausible colors to the image that kind of brings it to life. And um, so that's, that's one example, this image colorization problem. But I think, you know, in that video, we saw several other examples uh, where we were able to take. Uh, images and then animate them in various ways. Mm. And um, you know, one of the um, uh, technologies we've been really interested in is is called uh, conditional video synthesis, where um, you are able to create a video based on um, sort of a sketch. And um, you know, for for something like this, what you would do is a pose recognition that um, analyzes the structure of objects. For example, a face, and here's the eyes, and here's the nose and then assigns kind of positions to the object and sizes. And then um, uh, that, that becomes kind of a cartoon like, you know, a child might draw with a stick figure. And um, then what you do is you send that into another routine that animates that stick figure and sort of, uh, you know, makes the person move their head or smile or or talk, you know, as as let's say that we're doing it along with with text that we want to, um, animate a person speaking, uh, to a certain text. Well, we, we can make a model that predicts, uh, how their stick figure model is going to evolve as, um, as the person is speaking. And then once we have that, um, kind of animated stick figure drawing that, that, um, shows how the person should move, then we put it through, uh, a neural network that, uh, synthesizes a video from that. Um, and, and goes um, sort of from the initial image uh, that has like the, the appearance of the person and the, and the background and so forth, uh, and then uh, animates it uh, via this uh, sort of stick figure animation uh, to make the video. And we call that um, conditional video generation because uh, there are many different videos that you could produce from the same stick figure. Uh, and so what we want to do is kind of uh, choose one that seems plausible conditioned on uh on sort of uh, some sort of other information like um, maybe the text that the person is speaking or or maybe a some sort of animation that that we want uh that we want to create and um and so uh you know conditional video generation is a very powerful idea and it's something that i think over time will evolve into a new way of generating graphics uh, a new way of rendering and creating graphics Um, And actually, I'm, you know, really proud of this, that uh, in 2018, so this was already three years ago, uh, at uh, the NeurIPS conference, um, we actually had an interactive demo where you could drive a car around an environment that was being synthesized in real time uh, through one of these uh, neural rendering uh, technologies, and I, I think that was the first time ever that uh, humans had got to interact in real time with um, with neural rendering. Uh, and I, I was pretty proud uh, of that accomplishment. Um, you know, the technology over the past three years has gotten a lot better. I think, uh, you know, over the next 10 years or so, we may actually start to see neural rendering methods displace uh, traditional graphics methods uh, just because they're so much uh, uh, better. They're so much easier to create and the results are so much more real. There is even a piece of that video... Where the person basically said, draw this,
0: and it actually started getting drawn.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: Can you explain that a little bit? Because that was uh, uh, one of those other things. Like, I, I've been, I love when we're able to use natural language to do things as opposed to doing, you know, learning how to do things to do things. We know how to speak. Now, we're, uh, you, uh, the illustration of being able to paint by voice almost seems pretty incredible to me.
1: Right. Well, um, so, you know, the power of deep learning is that it's a very um, flexible way of mapping from one space to another. And um, so in that video, we're seeing a lot of examples of that. And this is, this is another example. But from the point of view of the AI technology, they're all kind of similar, because um, what we're doing is trying to learn a mapping that goes from um, X to Y. And uh, in this case, we're trying to learn a mapping that goes from a text description of a scene to kind of the stick figure uh, cartoon of that scene that, you know, so let's say I, I said, you know, a, a lake surrounded by trees in the mountains, you know um, what, what I want uh, the, the model to do is to understand that mountains, you know, go in the background and they have the certain shape and then, you know, the trees kind of go in the foreground and then right in the middle, usually there's going to be a big lake. Um, it's possible to train a model Based on a lot of if, if you take, um, you know, let's say a thousand or a million images of of natural landscapes and you have um, uh, annotations that show like what were the contents of these images, then you can train the model to go the other way and say, given the text, uh, can you create a, a sort of stick figure cartoon of what the scene should look like? Where does the mountains go? Where does the trees go? Where does the water go? And then once you have that stick figure, then you can send it into a model that elaborates that into an image. Um, and and um, so that's, that's kind of what you saw in that video.
0: I've, uh, there's a number of videos in that I Am AI uh, set, which I, I just thought they were all fascinating. But I, I did find another clip because to me, this has, uh, I think, it has significant impact for anybody that is doing something like we're doing now, a video call or on a video uh, conference, or a meeting with a whole bunch of people on a Zoom call or whatever you, whatever you, have you. And sometimes maybe we don't necessarily want to, well, I don't have the, the issue of wanting to put makeup on it. I don't. But there are certain people who don't necessarily want to get gussied up just to be on a call. I want to play this clip for folks to see and maybe ha- have you talk us through it a little bit after I play it. So here here's the clip.
1: Hi, this is Kevin. Yeah. Ready for the interview? Yeah. So it says you're presenting a new AI-driven digital avatar technology to me today. Tell me all about it. Alright. Before we begin, can you tell me how I look on your screen? Um, looks like you're wearing a blue-collar shirt and have recently shaved. Would you believe me if I told you I'm actually wearing a t-shirt, hat and mask and chilling in a coffee shop? Coffee shop? Wait, no, that's definitely not what I'm seeing on my screen. Yes. What you're seeing is the new AI-driven digital avatar technology I want to demonstrate to you today. The digital avatar you're speaking to is created by using just a single photo of me. All right. Whoops.
0: Let me get rid of that guy. All right. So um, what was cool about that is uh, at the end, he said that image of him was generated from one photo of him. And it was his voice. You could on the screen you could see the the movement of the mouth, the the audio quality is great, and he's sitting in a coffee shop, which there could be lots of sound going on in the coffee shop, but we didn't hear any of that sound. Uh we just saw him talking via his digital avatar with a great audio and video quality. Talk us through that because I think there's gonna be a lot of people that are interested in that right now who would love to be able to be (laughs) in a (laughs) <laughs> in a starbucks with the hat pulled to the back you know but still looking pristine as they talk to somebody via a zoom call talk
1: That's a little right. about that. yeah well we were really proud of that demo um i should i should also note that um that demo won best in show at the siggraph conference this year which is the biggest graphics conference in the world so um we did we have this um there's this um real-time demo competition there and um and uh, that demo won Best in Show, and we were we were very proud of it. It was a, a labor of love, I think, from everybody at NVIDIA who was working on it. Um, you know, uh, that model was um, a generalized video synthesis model. We were talking earlier about how uh, you can take uh, kind of a stick figure representation of a person and animate it. Um, well, uh, one of the limitations of models in the past is that You had to train an entirely new model for every situation. So let's say um, if I'm at home, I have one model. If I'm in the coffee shop with a different background, I need another model. Or if um, you are uh, uh, wanting to do this yourself, you would need one model for, for yourself in this place, another model for yourself in another place. Every time you create one of these models, you have to capture a data set in that location with maybe that set of clothes or those glasses on or whatever and um, then spend a week on a supercomputer training a model. <laughs> and that's really expensive, right? So uh, most of us uh, could never do that. So that, that would really limit the way that this technology could be used. And so um, I think the technical innovation behind uh, that particular animation was that uh, they came up with a uh, generalized model that could work with um, basically, anyone. You just have to provide one picture of yourself, which that's cheap enough. Anybody can do that, right? And if you go to a new location or you're wearing different clothes or glasses or whatever that day, you can just take a picture, and and then um, the model, because it's general, uh, is able to resynthesize your appearance uh, with just using that one photo as a reference. Um, and so I think I think that was um, pretty excited. Now uh, it's pretty exciting. Now later on in that uh, video actually, um, they switched to a speech synthesis model as well. Um, so, uh, what we heard in that clip, uh, was actually the, uh, uh, the, the main character speaking with his own voice, but later on, uh, you know, things in the coffee shop get so noisy that he ends up switching over to text. And so he's just typing and, um, the, the audio is being produced by, uh, one of our speech synthesis models. And, um, you know, so that's, that's uh, pretty exciting. I think, um, you know, giving people the opportunity to communicate in new ways, I think, uh, only helps bring people closer together. Uh, so that's uh, that's, uh, you know, a project that we were pretty excited about.
0: I could go on because there's a lot of interesting you know, videos in that series. And I, I was like, oh, should I use this clip? Right, can I? I only have a, a certain amount of time. I couldn't put them all in. Uh, well, talk about the big uh, picture ramifications for all these things that you're working on. Maybe you could look, you could kind of talk about it in terms of, uh, you know, the conversational aspects, the conversational AI and where you see that going and how is that going to impact humans the most uh, as you see it. And then maybe we could talk about, you know, the graphical pieces and then maybe just the big picture, where, are, where we're going with all this. So why don't we start about start with the like the conversational AI and how is that going to change, you know, how we communicate and collaborate uh, in the years to come?
1: Well, you know, the primary way that humans communicate is through conversation, just like you and I are having right now. Uh, but it's very difficult for humans to have a meaningful conversation with a computer. Uh, for a number of reasons. One is that um, uh, com- it doesn't feel natural, right? Like um, if you're, if it sounds like you're speaking to a robot, uh, that's a barrier that, you know, inhibits communication. Uh, it doesn't look like a person. It doesn't react like a person. And obviously computers these days, um, you know, most of the systems that, that you and I have interacted with don't understand uh, what humans uh, can understand. And so Um, You know, conversational AI, in some ways, is the ultimate AI challenge. Um, In fact, uh, you may be familiar with the Turing test. Uh, Alan Turing, who is considered by many to be the father of artificial intelligence, set conversational AI as kind of the end goal of artificial intelligence. Because if you have a machine that's able to intelligently converse with a human, uh, then you've basically solved... Uh, any kind of intelligence uh, question that you can imagine, because uh, any uh information that humans have any wisdom any idea that humans have created over the past many thousand years um, has all they 've all been expressed through language uh, and um and so uh, that means that language is a general enough way uh and it's you know obviously it's it's the only way for humans really to to communicate and, um, uh, complicated ideas. And so, um, if we, if we're able to make, uh, computers that are able to understand and, and communicate, um, intelligently and, you know, uh, with low friction. So it actually feels like, um, you're interacting with a person, then, you know, there's a lot of problems that I think we'll be able to solve. I think, um, some of the, the first problems involve, um, you know, things like making retail better making customer service better, making interfaces better, like for example, in in your car um, or in your house. Um, and uh, also helping people, you know, um, uh, I think entertainment uh, has a lot of value as well. You know, people play a lot of video games. Um, with the pandemic, I think people play more video games than ever. And, um, you know, uh, sometimes people play video games with other people. Sometimes they prefer not to, um, if they're able to interact with a computer in a meaningful way that's interesting and and helpful, uh, then I think that will open up uh, new forms of of entertainment as well, and you know hopefully um, you know I think m- make the world more fun and 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 hopefully more useful. Um, so so you know I think conversational AI um, uh, is going to continue to be a focus of research from the entire industry for a long time. Um, I think it is as deep a subject as all of human understanding and knowledge um you know if if you and i were having a podcast on let's say russian literature um there would be a lot of specialist ideas that um someone with a phd in russian literature would be able to talk about better than than i would for example right so even even amongst humans our capabilities uh in various subjects are going to differ and um Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's why I think conversational AI is going to be a challenge that continues to engage us, you know, for the foreseeable future, because it really is a challenge uh, to understand everything uh, that that humans understand. And, um, you know, we we aren't close to doing that yet, Uh, but we have made a lot of progress recently. Um, One one thing that uh, happened last year that, uh, you know, really, um, I think was a milestone for the industry was uh, GPT-3 which is a model from OpenAI, And this model uh, is trained on language. So basically what they did was download, um, you know, as much of the internet as they could. And uh, then they fed it to a very, very large neural network. One of the largest that humanity has ever created. And the job of this network is very simple. It is to predict the next word given some context. So given the past from the document, what's the next word? And, um, so they made this model, and uh, and you know they were able to show that it was it was good in the sense that it it fulfilled sort of the the objective that it had been trained for. But what they found that was um, I think really inspiring uh, for for everyone is that this model, because language is so general, and the task of understanding language uh, is is so uh, vast and and sort of all encompassing, that this model, even though it had been trained only to predict A word actually was able to do some simple reasoning and solve new kinds of problems Um, so one example um, that i i just am continued to 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 marvel about is that this model can actually translate uh, from english to spanish Um, and uh, this is kind of amazing because what it means is that the model had to learn a lot of high-level concepts about the, the world it had to learn that languages exist that humans Um, communicate with languages that these languages um, have parallel vocabularies. So there's correspondence between similar concepts that are expressed with different words in these different languages. It had to learn that uh, the language that it is, uh, that one language it had seen was English and it had this vocabulary and another language that it had seen from many documents on the internet was Spanish. It had to learn the connection between those words. And then it had to learn about the task of translation where the job is to to move from one language to another, including the grammar, uh, and, uh, the, you know, sort of the connections between the words, uh, word order. Um, and then, uh, it also had to learn that I was asking it, uh, to do a translation, you know, when I, the, because the way you interact with these models is instead of retraining them to do a new task, you just give it some examples and you say, here's an English colon, and then there's a sentence in English, Spanish colon, here's a sentence in Spanish. Give it a few examples like that. And then you say English colon, give it a sentence in English, and Spanish colon, and leave it blank. And then let the model predict. And um, this format is actually enough for the model to understand and, and put all those pieces together and actually produce a proper translation on a task that it has never been shown before. Right? So... The amount of reasoning and the amount of association that the model needed to do in order to perform that task properly is far beyond anything that um, we've ever seen with artificial intelligence models before. And it speaks to the generality of this language task that, you know, because language describes everything that humans do, if we can make models that understand language, we're also understanding uh, the world. We're understanding The structure of the world. We're understanding how things in the world interact. And then, you know, that can be useful to solve a lot of problems. Um, And then, you know, sort of this idea that these models don't necessarily have to be retrained in order to solve new problems. You can just explain a new problem using language to the model and then have the model produce the proper result. uh, speaks to a form of more generalized artificial intelligence than we've ever had. And I think that's, that's, uh, you know, just really inspiring. Now, um, these models are not um, in production uh, very much uh, yet. Uh, They're very expensive. And um, also, uh, you know, we're still learning about their capabilities and, you know, what circumstances, what contexts they're actually a good idea to deploy them in. Um, You know, one of the problems with models like these is that um, they reflect uh, biases uh, from the world that they were exposed to and as you know the the world uh in which we live is uh you know a problem it's got problems of of many different kinds and you know uh humans treat each other very badly and so you train a model on the internet that contains examples of all of this and then you know it turns out that uh that model is probably not safe to be deployed uh sort of without restraints because um I think
0: microsoft found that out years ago right years they ago did that <laughs> experiment with, yeah, and, he, that's right. and and i i appreciate what you're saying about the Kind of maybe the inherent biases that folks may not, maybe not even know that they have. It's just, you know, it's just their collected experiences. And if, if the set of folks who are kind of creating this technology have are kind of homogenous in their makeup, uh, you may miss things that seem obvious. Like, you know, Facebook had to apologize recently about their AI and their facial recognition not being able to tell the difference between a black guy and, a, and, a, and a, an ape. It seems pretty easy to be able to do that. How but if you don't have the right mix of people involved in creating these technologies, something as obvious as that could be missed.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely correct. and And so I think um, the industry is aware of the sort of risks on um, uh, these these kinds of models, and so that's one of the reasons why we haven't seen these models um, extremely widely deployed yet. Um, because we're, we're still learning about how to uh, train them and how to use them in a way that's safe and reflects the values uh, that we prefer as a society. Um, and um, uh, so, so I think we have more, more research to do. Um, on the other hand, uh, the, the power of these models is, is so undeniable that um, I think we are going to see a revolution in, in conversational AI we're going to see human computer interfaces that are a lot more fluid, a lot more realistic, a lot more thoughtful and, and much more useful. Um, And, you know, I, I'm very excited about that. Um, uh, You know, as, as just a normal um, consumer, uh, having to interact with um, various companies uh, here and there, um, including today, you know, I have, I, I, I got a new Tesla a few days ago. It's already broken. Uh, I needed to call (laughs) Tesla support, Uh, you know, that, that took several hours, you know, this, this kind of thing, uh, you know, uh, is going to be so much better when we are actually able to, to, to solve a lot of these problems with conversational AI.
0: I've been saying for years uh, being uh, a watcher of the CRM industry and all the different applications people have to use. It will be a great day when people don't have to swipe and type and click and do all that. If they could just look, you know, talk, talk to their application. I want this and have the application understand enough to give that or have a follow-up. That's going to be great. I, I can't wait for that day to happen
1: myself. <laughs> we'll get there.
0: <laughs> All right. Brian, this has been a real pleasure uh, speaking with you. Where can people go to learn more about some of the things that you and your research team are working on?
1: Um, well, uh, re- NVIDIA has a website, research.nvidia.com, um, that has has uh, uh, some some things on it. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is ctnzr. It's my last name just with all the vowels subtracted out of it. Uh, and um, uh, and we also have a website um, just for my team, which is nv-adlr.github.io, uh, where we highlight some of our papers that we and and accompanying research results. Um, but uh, you know, I think uh, also we have uh, GTC coming up uh, soon. Uh, we have uh GTC a couple times a year where we talk about the latest and greatest uh, NVIDIA technologies, and, and hopefully we'll have some really cool things to show off soon at uh, the next GTC in November.
0: Just for folks who don't know what GTC stands for.
1: It stands for GPU technology conference. Uh, and it's been going, um, you know, for more than 10 years uh, and it's kind of kind of focused on developers. I would say of, you know, people that use GPUs to solve problems these days. Um, you know uh that encompasses all of artificial intelligence uh, as well as all of traditional graphics and you know um high performance computing so uh it's a pretty diverse uh conference it's usually keynoted by Jensen Huang our our fearless leader at Nvidia uh he always brings a lot of panache and, and a lot of exciting announcements and you know uh sort of a platform for Nvidia to talk about our latest and greatest technology
0: i've seen uh one of his keynotes uh just on the on the replay those uh, (laughs) it seems like a lot of work goes into his his keynotes too from a like a technology standpoint and it's i I even watched the making of the keynote (laughs) video which gives you like a behind scene it's fascinating i i I am definitely looking forward to seeing what's in store for this one just because i i was able to catch some of the things that his keynote was was made up with in the past because those inside the keynote, the making of—I've never seen any company actually put those together so that you can see what it all took to pull this off. It was really a fascinating thing.
1: Yeah, it is. It is fascinating, and it—you know—it's exciting for all of us at NVIDIA. You know, I've been involved in um, helping GTC come together. You know, a lot over the years, and um, uh, it, it is an enormous amount of work, but uh, it's a labor of love, I guess. Um, uh, uh but the, I guess the funny thing is that uh you know I usually am surprised myself. You know, there's usually wow. something cool that I didn't know about. Um and <laughs> and uh you know, so it's always always a bit of fun for me as well, even though I'm I'm involved in you know some small way in, in helping with part of it. This conversation has been so good. I have completely ignored like the
0: comments that were coming in in the question. I am so sorry, John Reed, on and talker. I'm just gonna like just to show Brian that people are really uh, digging uh, what you were saying and have questions. I mean, I, Anand is a, is a buddy of mine. He's deeply involved in a lot of these things. Uh, He, he was going to work. Then my buddy, John Reed came in and he started, you know, sharing his experience. (laughs) Yeah. Alexa, get ready for the Alexa robot there, John. I know you're going to be signing up for that when that comes out, but yeah. uh, Thanks guys. I, I really wish I had been able to incorporate these in a little better I just got enthralled with the conversation. I really enjoyed talking to you, Brian, and maybe we could do this uh, down the line when, when other things that you're working on are sort of surface and are able to be discussed. I'd love to do that again. If you're up for it. Oh, that'd be fun. Cool. Thank you so much, Brian. Uh, and thank everybody out there for checking this out. I uh, will be back tomorrow because you know, it's Thursday it's CRM players day and uh, we're going to, I know uh, we're going to have some good conversation on that. But in the meantime, thank you so much. And I will see you guys tomorrow. Take care. Bye.